So now what? Save the world? Anyone could be one of them. Controller. Trust no one. Speak, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of Kay Applegate's 1996 book series, Animorphs. And we are back. That's right. It's, it's been a while. It's been a dry spell. Those are words that we say so many times. Uh, I we thought could apologize. I'd, I would like to say we that could... I'd like to have an episode where we don't start out talking about how infrequently we, we record. But <laughs> yeah. so one of us always seems to bring it up, I guess. Well, to be fair, we actually have an excuse this time. You know, hashtag Trump's America. This is the state of things now. So. <laughs> oh, let's not pretend like the election had anything to do with uh, uh, how long our, our hiatus has been here. I'm not sure when we put out our last episode now anymore. It's gotten to the point when I don't remember the last one. Um, Look, this election has given us an excuse for literally every part of our lives at this point. So <laughs> why not embrace it? Well, here I thought you were going to uh, point out... Um, the other big sort of news that's happened since uh, our last episode was put out, which was the birth of my first child, unless we talked about that. Oh my last gosh! One, did I, I just didn't realize. I didn't realize that 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 we haven't put in an episode that long. Your kid's like applying for colleges now. <laughs> Not quite, but I I think you know what Nikes, man. I better check this so I'm not. Acting a fool up in here, and you gotta say uh, in weeks because that's the only thing that matters to babies, apparently. Well, it's our. She is like not eight weeks old yet; she's seven weeks, so uh, she's almost two months. And I don't think we put out an episode in almost two months. Um, no, I don't think we did. No, in fact, it was September first, and we are cruising through November. So, fuck hey, that's us. not the worst hiatus we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. No, it's not the worst by any means. Um, yeah, and you know, uh, we, we've got a little bit more uh, time on our hands now that uh, lives are stabilizing a bit here. Um, mm-hmm. Likely to change uh, depending the oncoming apocalypse that will be the next year, but time will tell, people. Time will tell. And we are officially starting a new segment in the show, Visor Watch. Who is in this administration is actually under the rule of uh, Visor Three and his subordinates. Find out here. <laughs> we, we spoilers all of them. <laughs> we have a theory there might be Yerks aiming for the White you know House. What? I'm I'm gonna say they're not even Visors, sub Visors at best. <laughs> exactly. These guys are like some sub Visor Larry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like he's like the uh, head janitor at the White House. <laughs> yeah, subvisor three hundred forty-seven, and he's an intern. Um, but anyway, politics aside, we will not turn this into a sci-fi political podcast. As cool as that sounds, I, I um, love the sound of it. I think we should just do that. Oh, in fact, you know what? That was one of the things that I wanted to uh, tell you about. Speaking of sci-fi political. Um, there was that uh, new show that I watched recently called Brain Dead, um, which is eerily similar plotline to uh, uh, Animorphs, kind of, sort of, um, in that it's it, it's the same genre of uh, aliens taking over people's bodies and uh, political people specifically. Oh yeah, exactly. It is. This is literally about uh, these bugs from space uh, landing in uh, Washington D.C. And uh, they start to eat the brains of the politicians there. And that is what has given us this current crazy election year. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it was really definitely interesting. an interesting show. I want to check it out. I'd recommend it. Uh, it only got one season so far. No word on whether it's picked up for another one, but uh, we'll see, I guess. I think we all are in the apocalyptic mood, though, because, I mean, you might laugh at me. I don't know your stance on the show, but I've been watching a lot of Walking Dead, catching up on it, because uh, I hit I hit like a, I hit one of those parts that's just like, obviously filler, you know, I got un- uninterested for a long time and finally picked it back up, and man, that is a, uh, 
is a well shot show if you can't say anything else about it i mean it's one of the few shows on tv still shooting on 35 millimeter film it's it's a good looking show well yeah i mean they've they've really uh got to take their time with that thing and uh make it look pretty because uh i mean in the end they're they're mostly just shots of people walking so no i mean they got got i'm pretty pretty surprised I'm pretty surprised, you know, I left off in like the third season or something back in the day, and it was its own show back then, doing its own thing. Uh, I'm surprised fourth season on, it's actually, I mean, this could say good or bad, whether you, how you feel about it, but um, fourth season on, it's actually really accurate to the comics. It's staying pretty close to that storyline. That's and, uh, interesting, really interesting, but it's it's still yeah. not enough to draw me back in. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm. I, I understand that, but for some reason, it's really... It's really hitting me right now, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there are tons of shows I'm sure we could talk about, but we have got a slog of a book to get through tonight, and uh, this this one, let me tell you, is a book that neither of us had read before, and I'm I'm not surprised. Uh, we are talking Animorphs number twenty seven, The Exposed, here, and if you've got your lovely copy in front of you, like I do, you can tell that this is a book that no almost 30 year old man should be walking around in public with where, yeah, where people I mean, can see you. <laughs> I'm sorry. A, uh, it's just too as creepy. An, as an 11 year old, um, you know, this wasn't the one I was rushing for. I, I would go for the one with the tiger on the front or something like that. And, uh, the one with a girl in a purple one suit bikini, not bikini, but one suit, uh, <laughs> do you know your suit. swimwear? <laughs> turning into a squid i mean that's definitely a couple internet sites that would get you on a list um yeah, let alone sure. the inside cover the inside cover that is just like they took a line from the book and took it a little too literally you know with the inside cover oh yeah but i mean here's another uh, example of us of them for some reason choosing a scene out of the book to show us um because they actually put the uh cheese spaceship in it and it looks every bit as goofy as i guess the characters described it they said it looks like snoopy and yeah it very much kind of does yeah but i I bet you know i bet when Kay applegate was writing the outline because obviously she didn't write the actual text of this book um when she was writing the outline and threw something like that in i don't think she was actually picturing it to look like the macy's day parade balloon for snoopy because that's a hundred percent what it looks like that's true, but I believe they do talk about how like ridiculously cartoonish it looks. Um, but uh, yeah, no, screw this book, and I'm going with your point. <laughs> yeah, stick with me, bro. No, we'll get to um, the other end of this safely. This uh, the the uh, the quote that they put on the cover too is um, a little bit confusing. They thought they'd seen it all; they were wrong. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they see new things in this book, but that's not like super relevant They've, to the plot. I, I know they've seen the ocean, they've seen the chi, they've the drode. I mean, he's brand new. Exactly, yeah, and that's the only thing that this book really does new is give us that new character. Um, Which is funny. I've I've always read the other books where the drode shows up. Never read the one that he was introduced in. So no. I just it's funny <laughs> what you what me, you roll yeah. with. Yeah, it's funny what you roll with as a kid. You're just like, oh, okay, this little lizard guy's here. Oh, oh, he's part of Kreak. Sweet. Awesome. Well, you know why they added this character in. I mean, because they wanted to still use this Kreak big bad, but they can't just continually have the Animorphs going up against Kreak himself. Yeah, it's just so lazy, they, though. They needed it's to have so a lazy. go-between. This is literally the next book after a Kreak book. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is true. It, it did seem very uh, forced, very rushed, too. Um, yeah. And, you know, especially the same thing, uh, it, it more more chi as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, a lot of stuff going on in this book. Um, maybe I, I mean, should, I, I maybe... thought Eric was I thought Eric was thrown into the last book pretty haphazardly, honestly. I mean, he was he was incredibly important to it because of the howlers and everything. But I don't think they they wrote him in super well. I just, I just think that, uh, if they wanted to do more Eric, I'm, I'm cool with that. I really dig Eric as a character, but I think they kind of squandered him here and they didn't really Mm -hmm. use it as an opportunity to advance, uh, his character at all. He's a deus ex machina here. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, there's, it's, there's always a chi ex machina, uh, 
at some yeah, point. Yeah, but it's, I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. It's already, we've already done this multiple times. And here we are again. It's just save the day. But well, we're exactly. And that's, that's why this book really is kind of a slog because it's a lot of what we've seen before. So uh, uh, I'm going to read the back. I'm pretty sure it's my turn to read the back. Let it go for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going. The Animorphs and Axe have one true ally in their battle against the Yerks, the Chi. So when they discover that the Chi, including their friend Eric, are in trouble, they have no choice but to help. But the Chi's problem is much deeper than anything the kids could have imagined. It's hidden in the ocean, so far down that no human has ever traveled there and survived. And the Animorphs realize what will happen if Visor 3 discovers the valuable secrets of the Chi, one of which is the Animorphs. Bum, bum, bum. Um, so again, you know, these, the book, the back of the books, the front of the books, the whole damn thing is designed to be very misleading as to what, uh, actual, um, plot happens in this book, because this is a very small chunk of it. You're actually, I, I, I was paying attention to this fact that you're over halfway through the book before they're even, you know, going down to look for the squid. Um, yeah, it's just the book felt, uh, uh, slow, but simultaneously rushed. Well, it took all the it took all the parts. I mean, it, it has all the parts of an Animorphs book, but it it's focus. What it chooses to focus on is what really hurts it. Because where there are interesting things happening in this book, that's you know, it's not it's not like the actual plot of this book is inherently bad, but it chooses to focus most of the book on them acquiring a morph. I mean, that's not that's not a that's not a plot point that we need to focus on or stay with. We've seen them do that a billion times. And this isn't that interesting of a morph to acquire. I mean, they had to go on a hunting trip as a sperm whale, and that sounds kind of cool, but when it's when it's literally the second act, you know, it's too long. <laughs> oh, totally. And, you know, the fact that they don't really do much with it uh, uh, once it's acquired, um, and it just, the whole thing doesn't really go anywhere. Think about Think about the difference, just to compare this to another book, a much better book. Um, the message, the Cassie book where they go and find Axe. It's another mission where they have to go deep into the ocean. And that book focuses a lot on the journey out there, which sounds boring. It sounds kind of like what this book did, except it's really interesting because they have to like come up with a plan. of like, look, we can't just morph and go out that far. We have a time limit. We have this. We're, we're just kids. And they actually have to like get on board of a tanker. And it, it like describes them hanging out on the deck of a tanker in these awkward uh, you know, suits that they wear as Animorphs and and timing everything properly and getting to the right place. And it makes it interesting in the real-life facts of what problems you would run into. Yeah, exactly. It, it really did a very good job of making... Uh, it apparent how miserable a job this this sometimes is, and you know not that any of the battles presented in this book don't also show the horrors of being an animorph, but uh, yeah, like you said, those the older books they just they did a better job uh, slowing things down and really looking at like the uh, mundane little parts of being a superhero. Yeah, it, it that's the best thing about the animorph series in general is I think it's always when in capable hands, it's always taking a very real-life approach to certain aspects. Not every aspect. It's still got some heavy, heavy sci-fi because, you know, Grant can't help himself. But um, but the, the, the idea that these really are kids and they have normal problems, it's the Spider-Man effect. That's what makes Spider-Man interesting is that he's a kid in high school. You know, that's what makes this series interesting. Totally. And I mean, there's a lot of interesting elements at play within this book. It's just that uh, many of them, I feel like, were not used to their fullest potential. Um, it, they could totally rework these elements into other storylines, and I think they'd work just fine. But the, the particular combination that they came with together here, uh, it, it just really ended up being... Uh, nothing too exciting, I guess. Um, and it did feel like it did feel like to me a ghostwriter who was new to the series. He tried to put in a lot of um, parts that were in depth for Animorphs. I mean, there were specific lines that were reused. Um, there were aspects of characters that were shown really prominently. It, it sounded like someone who got a spreadsheet of what Animorphs was and then had to write a book about it. So they just um, worked in all the familiar elements. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just it's very much check. 
it, it feels like a it feels like a ghostwriter who was thrown to the wolves and had to quickly put together a book and I can I can probably tell you which other books this ghostwriter worked on. I mean, it's it's his style, what they choose to focus on, what he's writing. I bet we're going to be able to go into some of these later books, and uh, we're going to see this particular writer's hand uh, a few more times. Sure, yeah. Let's let's hope so or not. <laughs> I mean, I hope not, but I know it's going to happen because I've I've actually read some of those books, and I I recognized it in this book. Oh, awesome. Um, cool. Well, this, I mean, one of the very first things about this book or one of the first elements of this book, I guess, or how this book starts out is, uh, the, the situation that we've been wondering about for a while now where Rachel is finally, uh, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? All of a sudden I'm blanking on it. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Rachel is finally asked out by a cute boy, right? T.T. Oh Which is just a ridiculous name. Worst, yeah, worst thing ever. Um, they were going for like hip guy. I picture, uh, you know, like like a frat guy, you know, walking up like a high school age frat guy. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like the really token them. the cool token white guy. <laughs> I actually pictured someone of color. Is that weird? Uh, no, no, I guess I, I not. You, That's get, what you I saw. got a multi-ethnic brain. It's okay. I mean, they were well. I mean, they were just going for like a hip name. It seemed like a little soft racism sneaking in. Um, <laughs> I don't. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that, honestly. Um, Sorry, because she describes him. Brain. She describes him as like so cute that I think he could be a model or something. Um, so I'm sorry. Well, that doesn't. I, I, that doesn't distance from what i said and he could i pictured like like looking. the people that i see on the side of the abercrombie and fitch bag <laughs> i pictured like a young uh trevor noah from the daily show oh jeez, really yeah okay that's i don't know odd it's an odd image now it's i'm not gonna be able to head. get that out of my head uh, it's a good thing <laughs> it's a good thing that old tt really only appears in uh i think two scenes in this book Probably, I'm going to go ahead and say it, worst subplot of any Animorphs book I've ever read. Well, it's just that, okay, so... Um, the, the idea is interesting. Yes, like the, that's the, the thing. The idea. Yeah. We could have had an entire book dedicated to this one, like, A plot, right? <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been classic Animorphs. If, if it was Rachel struggling with this the entire book, if, like, the, the mission or whatever they did... In, was influenced by her feelings and her confusion and her struggle with working with Tobias when she was almost cheating on him. Oh, here you go. Here you go. I'm going to I'm going to pitch you a better a better plot right now using that or feeding on that. So, yeah, the the book could be about how uh Rachel feels conflicted because she really wants to go out with this really cute boy and she's really sure that he's not a controller and uh uh you know, she Super feels sure feels terrible about it because of Tobias. And then Tobias, like a good fucking boyfriend hawk, is like, Rachel, you should just do it. You should go out with him. No, 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 no. Better than that. Better than that. Uh, not to disparage your idea, but uh, if Tobias, this is 100% Tobias's character. If Tobias overheard a conversation that she was like flirting with him a little bit or, you know, just he asked her out and he could tell that she was conflicted about it. Tobias would a hundred percent play the martyr and he would push her away so that she could be happy. <laughs> she would push. And this could be a Tobias book. This would be better as a Tobias book. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it has to be a Rachel book. Uh, it, it could be from the perspective of Tobias as well. Really, when when one character is a hawk and the other character is a girl and they can both morph into whatever the hell they want, you could have an entire romance story series based on that concept. Uh, it doesn't need to be limited to just one book. <laughs> that sounds like a weird fetish or something that doesn't sound like a novel that, it's, series it's the sequel series i've always wanted dang it they could be anything anything you can imagine even mark ruffalo with his, with his permission <laughs> shush shush <laughs> you are directly calling out some fan fiction out with there. his permission uh <laughs> i wonder if they'd want edward norton now i mean why wouldn't they <laughs> I, I don't know They're, they can both play the hulk equally I mean, <laughs> I want to see that movie. 
The Animorphs acquire two, the Hulk? Two, no, no, no. Two Hulks enter. One love comes out. <laughs> Boom. I don't think I get the point, and I, I think it might have a possibility of being like X-rated. It's there's definitely some erotic parts in it, <laughs> and they're all green. If some of the fan fiction writers I've I've seen get involved, it's possible. Um, Me, I'm gonna get involved. So so uh, the the boy subplot here, uh, really in the beginning. It's just a great excuse to get Rachel uh, feeling some complicated girl feelings, sending her on mm-hmm. her way to the mall. Um, <laughs> that That's what happens, because, you know, girls are a stereotype. Well, Rachel is. Um, she likes the mall. She doesn't go there to work out her issues. <laughs> yes, she does. She kill, she says she, shopping no, she is the can, best way to she, work out your Well, stuff. yeah, in this book, from this writer who doesn't know her, uh, <laughs> she would, in real life, she would start a fight. Uh, that's the Rachel I know and love. Yeah, she's she's five seconds away from it. Because uh, <laughs> like like all uh, events that take place in this fictional universe, um, when they happen, some of the Animorphs just conveniently happen to be nearby to see it because uh, Eric is at the mall as well and he's like malfunctioning as shit. Oh, this is horrible because Cassie shows up randomly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I, I forgot she never that. goes to the mall unless Rachel forces her. And then Eric just happens to be there, and that's where he malfunctions. I mean, literally, they could have solved this coincidence just by having it be any other Chi there. And then that makes them go to Eric because, like, they help out this one Chi member, and then they see that Eric's malfunctioning when they meet up with the rest of the Chi. Like, it's so... It's It's just, it's very needlessly, like, they brought Eric into this portion where it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Like you said, it could have been any other chi, and they do have to bail out, you know, another chi as well. Um, Which is just—I mean, that's just doubling up on the same plot device. I mean, it's it's filling pages. Exactly. Um, the the one thing I kind of enjoyed slightly was that we got to go back to like Eric's fake house with his fake dad, and like just time spent with those characters is is wonderful because I really like them. Um, and it was kind of funny because they were frozen. They were like stiff because <laughs> they were deactivated. Um, yeah, again, so, good elements used poorly. Uh, exactly. I'd, I'd love to see more more chi interaction and just hanging out with them because they're very goofy as their uh, spaceship. Uh, <laughs> once they get down and activate that, it starts talking to them. Uh, more more goofy stuff like that. That's all we wanted. Mm. Instead, we got whale acquiring. <laughs> yeah exactly but um so we get a little action scene here they're getting eric out they have another chi they have to save um isn't uh it's a homeless person is that what it is yeah something like that i forget the minor details it's somebody who's hanging out there and yeah they're trapped and then the situation is that there's another chi who's trapped somewhere in like a nuclear closet or something <laughs> but that yeah. chi that chi will be okay cuz they're locked in until the morning um so they have at least that long to to locate the chi- ship yeah which i mean yeah put a time limit on this you know build up the suspension well and the thing that really got me is that it's so vague they're just kind of like yeah, every cheese malfunctioning now because I guess something happened with the ship. And, you know, it's cool. It, 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 initially, it's like a little bit of mystery. But when you actually got down there, and it was like, there's nothing down here but the fucking drone. What? So. Spoilers, we're not even there yet. <laughs> I know, but it's <laughs> it felt like this is a waste of time. It, it was. And, I mean, when you, bril- when you bring in the coincidences with an alumnus plot, I felt like they were at least still kind of clever. Like they were, they were not just devices to move the plot along, but they were showing the characters of these godlike beings who were stopping time or saving them from something or had their own, um, you know, agenda that they were getting wrapped up in. This is just like the Drode is like literally like a '60s Batman villain. <laughs> yeah, like, that's. Whoa, <laughs> I got you guys. You, you just... I was behind it the whole time. You read my mind, partner, because uh, yeah, exactly. He is so much more animated than either Krayak or the Elemist, and he's yeah, he's twirling his little cartoon mustache over there on the sides. Uh, <laughs> his, his dialogue is just so much more. Well, it's really kind of annoying, to be honest. It's He's kind Machiavellian. Of an, an annoying yeah. villain, yeah. 
which um, I think they were going for annoying, but they they didn't they didn't nail the annoying like um uh like what's uh Gaston's and Beauty and the Beast. I'm bringing up Disney movies now. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. Well, Gaston's yeah, like a, a very little, uh, chauvinistic like. No, no, no. He's uh, a little, little sidekick buddy. He's a little oh, sidekick buddy. oh, a little Gaston. Is that his name? No, he's like Pierre. Or it's it's something. It's his little sidekick buddy who hands him his gun all the time, and he's just like wacky and annoying. Like that's how you do it well. Where it's like I hate this character, but you know I want to see them on screen all the time. Yeah, because uh, it's funny to it. see their 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 physical wacky humor antics, and yeah. gags. Yeah, but they're still like they're still like totally evil. I think that's what they were going for with the Drode. He's like Krayak's little sidekick, um, but he's just please go away. Your plan was dumb and you just told them how to get out of it. You know, it's just, yeah. And that part was really vague as well. And kind of, it's disappointing. Vague. Say bagel. Bagel. You just said it like I said it. I know how you normally say it. No, okay, that's every Bagel. time we do this. You you try to force me to say it, and what I do, you're like, you just copied me. Well, yeah, because that's the way the word I've, is said, Coleman. No, I've heard you say it nonchalantly, and you say bagel, and it's awesome. Coleman, I'm say say tomato. Tomato. <laughs> you proved my point. No, it's you're you're appropriating my culture oh. by not embracing your own Minnesotan accent. Just learn the way things are pronounced and <laughs> we won't have problems anymore. Uh, speaking of speaking of problems, the chi. Oh, Whoa, boy. that was a good segue. Dude, I've, I've been practicing, practicing my segues. I can, In the off season? I can, yeah. I just sit, I just sit in a corner of my house and I try to link together two completely unrelated topics. It's uh it's a great fun. Yeah, sounds great. Speaking of great fun, <laughs> no, I got nothing there. See, I've already yeah, lost. Speaking of great <laughs> whales. Uh, no, what I well, what I did want to say though is that I think the the whole chi uh, deactivating. Uh, is is a, again a cool plot element. Uh, the whole sunken ship thing is cool uh, when it's very like mysterious like that. I honestly I wish they would have found something different once they got down there, and I wish the the focus of the book would have been a little bit more on that than uh, what it turned out to be. Let's just, let's just talk about the book in general. I don't. I mean, there's really only like you said. This is a very simply written book. Um, we we do normally go through the details of the plot, but there's really only three plot points in this book. There yeah, is. oh yeah, exactly. It's a very, very, uh, and this is why I said it felt like it was um, slow but rushed, because it was like all the same elements we've seen, um, and it just took forever to get to what I felt like was the meat of it, like the like you said, um, the going down to the ship. Yeah. And I mean that's what it is. It's it's them acquiring the sperm whale, which I mean they play pretty normally. Uh, it's just their struggle is just getting out into the ocean, and then um, as a sperm whale, and then they had to actually find a squid because they and I didn't I hated how they determined that a squid was the best thing to get down there. It's like yes, you're right at that depth. That's really the only thing to get there. But at this point, we had never seen a giant squid in real life. We had no footage of one. And while we knew they existed, the fact that they just morphed sperm whales and found one, it's ridiculous. Oh, I mean, is, it's, is that the case? I See, I wasn't aware of that fact. Um, I knew that you know, giant squid first, are, are incredibly rare. We just saw the first giant squid two years ago. Really? Wow, that's... Yeah, it was the first that's true, found. Coleman, <laughs> that's mind-blowing. It is. It should be. Um, and we knew sperm whales, I mean, we'd found evidence of them. We knew they still existed. We knew that sperm whales ate them. But sperm whales ate a lot of things. They didn't just go down and battle giant squids all the time. You know, I'm honestly kind of disappointed they don't take advantage of the sperm whale morph a little bit more in the future. I wish they would just morph sperm whale on land. Yeah, that's what I'm fight. saying. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Just get above your opponent like you know on top of a building or something start your morph and then there's <laughs> nothing they can do uh or just anytime they go in the ocean all of the times that they've been in trouble in the ocean they could have just gone sperm whale every single time and won every single fight <laughs> possibly i don't know visor three's got some weird morphs 
Um, yeah, but against six sperm whale, they've defeated him in giant morphs being dolphins. If they had teeth, <laughs> not necessarily defeated per se. They they get lucky no. a lot of times in these visitor three battles. Well, you don't need luck when you're a sperm whale. <laughs> I, I I guess not. You just need like an open mouth. It's just like how like honestly, for the rest of the series, they should all acquire African elephants and just morph only that for every scenario. It would yeah really oh yeah like issues. a like a stampede that'd be awesome yeah like that if, should just be their battle morph well I mean tank. that should be one of their tactics certainly I don't yeah, they I don't, don't get why they uh, and you know what that's what I'd love to see from a sequel series is more like tactical morphing like don't get me wrong they've they've put together some plans obviously but you know it's very haphazardly. But- Hey, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but a tactical squad of trained professionals with morphing power, that would be something to see, wouldn't it? I'd see it. If it, would, if it were would, seeable. <laughs> I would write it. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Um, anyway, oh, uh, so. you know, another big element of this uh, uh, book that we haven't really focused on yet is that um, this is where I'm kind of starting to see a bit more of this, uh, this subplot of... Uh, the forces of evil trying to turn Rachel uh, not just into like a, a murdering psychopath, but specifically trying to turn her against Jake uh, and her own team. Um, so well, that's what makes me so mad about this book is that that's an important plot point to the series. Uh, her being given the offer that if she just turns against Jake, give Krayak Jake, kill Jake, then we'll give you whatever you want. That's important to Rachel's character, and it's it's announced in this book. I was offended by that. Well, I mean, you know, she didn't really even give it any consideration whatsoever in this book. And I thought uh, she gave it a little too much consideration because she's like, "Should I tell Jake about it?" No, I, no, no, no. I, she, I believe in she, myself. She doesn't tell Jake about do it, but she doesn't consider taking the droids offer. Is what I'm saying. She doesn't. No, she think doesn't. About that but at she, all. She has to, there's actually a scene of her thinking of like, would I do that? Why would Rachel even be thinking about whether she'd do that or not? <laughs> I'm telling you, that man. should be a no contest. And Rachel being unaware of how violent she can be and how far she could go. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I'll get this, behind that all day. I, I will say it says right here, uh, because uh, he says, um, you can survive this debacle. Just do us one small favor kill your tiresome cousin. Crack would like to see it. So would I. Kill Jake. I laughed. Kill Jake? Nah, I think I'd rather kill you. Boom. No, she didn't. She didn't consider it. No, no, no. After the battle is what I'm talking about. After the battle, she debates whether to tell Jake or not, and she actually has a moment of being like, "Would I do that? No, definitely not. That's not who I am." Like she does think about it at one point. If it was like between her and him, would she take up his offer? And well, that's what this is all setting up. Is yeah, this this big. Yeah, it's setting up one of the most hated books in the series. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, are you talking about the one where um, the return. A, a certain character returns? Yeah, the return. <laughs> hey, don't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually really like that book because it's way better written than this one. And I think it actually might be the same writer, just a little more experienced. I don't like it, but now it's it's starting to make more sense now that I know that Krayak and the Drode specifically are trying to mess with Rachel. Um, the only book that I know of where the Drode is a really interesting character is the book where they go to an alternate universe where Jake's grown up in the Yorkshire of the world. Right, that's and that's... that's um, oh, not that one, actually. The the one I'm thinking about is... Uh, You're thinking of Back to Before, yep. the Megamorphs, which yeah. is also awesome. But I actually really like the alternate future uh, ghost-written... Animorphs book where Jake's grown up. That's I actually really enjoy it. I yeah, I'm it's not like even Blade entirely sure Animorphs. that I've I've read that one. Um, It'll be fun. I, when I might we get have to read it. A, I like it. a piece or two of it. I'm not sure. It's some of the best sci-fi in the series because it goes f- like full Blade Runner. It's really cool. Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. And yeah, it sounds also, like a book that I'm totally down for. It introduces the human tubes from Futurama. Oh so, really? <laughs> yeah. Neat. Before Futurama. Sweet. Can't wait for that. Yep. Uh, there's another portion. Okay, so I I, I want to discuss this where they're down in the ship because I feel like this is where the book it w- was building up to and then it just completely <laughs> took a dive yeah. there because as soon as they <laughs> get to the ship, 
Um, it, it's really interesting. They're in s- giant squid morphs. Um, the ship is cool. It sounds like it's going to be cool because it's funny. It reminds me of um, a little bit of uh, the ship from uh, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the the com- yeah. AI that was happy, um, the happy AI. And yeah. <laughs> uh, But as soon as they get inside the ship, dude, it is just newsville because... Not it's, to mention it's, there's it's, a huge plot discrepancy. Well, it's very strange because they're apparently floating in these orbs of water because they're yeah. still in morph. And for whatever reason, uh, the um, the ship goes like completely clear and all the Yurks are waiting outside and they can see them inside. Um, well, see, that's the problem, too, is that they the way they describe the ship going clear, it goes completely clear. Like, they think they're out in the ocean again. That's how clear it goes. Okay. So completely transparent. And then the whole rest of the book plays out like they can see walls and see where they're going and the Yurks know where they're going. If this ship has gone completely transparent, then everybody should be bouncing off of walls and running into things and doing things like that, you know? It never mentions that again. Sure, yeah. (laughs) I guess I didn't even consider that, but yeah. Um, Because it says that they think they're floating in the ocean again is how clear it goes. Oh, really? Yeah. Writing underwater scenes are are not only, I imagine, hard to do as a writer, how to communicate that effectively, but not only, they're kind of hard to interpret as a reader. Uh, And this is definitely a scene where, yeah, some of this action gets muddled and, and just boring, confusing um, because they're, they're squids floating around in water bowls. They are able to like ink there and then demorph and then go battle morphs. Um, but again, you know, squid morph, not really highly utilized. It just think of this. I mean, like there's so many problems. I don't even want to get into all the problems with this. There's, there's a lot, but the fact <laughs> of the matter is they go to battle morph. We have another fight scene. Visor 3 is, of course, there. Oh, yeah. He shows up he and is. is defeated uh, nondescriptly. I don't even really recall. He's there for five seconds for no reason. There's The Yerks themselves are a fine threat for this. We don't need Visor 3 to show up in this fight. And and the fact that he's like he's on the outside of the ship, so he's probably like pretty far from where oh, they are in the now ship. I know I And forgot. he's like looking at a porthole. He's looking at a porthole, and with their squid eyes, they're like, oh, no, it's Visor 3. There's no way they could... It's just... It's so dumb. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> makes very little sense as well. Uh, but I remember why I forget this uh, the ending sequence, because it's so... Uh, just... It's dull. I mean, they, they battle here. Um, they're able to have Axe fix the computer to do its thing to restart the chi. Uh, and then after they, they fight and fight and fight some more... Uh, Eric shows up and and bails them all out and and does something to the computer that just freezes everybody in place. A convenient end to this whole situation. And really, that's that's my biggest problem with this book is that the the beginning felt slow and then this ending part felt rushed. Um, because as soon as they get down to the spaceship, you're thinking like, man, I can't wait to see you know what's going on inside this spaceship. Um, what was down there that caused the problem? Um, and then it turns out it's just the drode. And he even mentions, like, there's a way out of this problem, but you got to figure it out. And it's like, was the way out of it to just have Eric come and save him? Because that's what happened, right? I mean, and, I mean, the big thing, too, is like you said, um, the whole beginning is just kind of this slow setup. But it doesn't set up the road, really. I mean, it, it talks about coincidences, but every time they've talked about the Olympus before, or, you know, someone else messing with things, it's been like this nagging feeling they keep bringing up or talking about. And this time it's, it's referenced a few times and it's, and then, oh, surprise, the droid was messing with you. Also, his, this, this is the droid. He's like a reptile thing and he's a character now. Enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's just very out of nowhere. And the ending, the ending is like this build up to this whatever scene underwater. You've been there a billion times and there's nothing that special about it. There's no additions really to the mythology other than the Pimelites had stupid looking ships. I mean, (laughs) yeah. And then they just, you know, I mean, the conflict is over so quickly. It's like everyone's just ejected from the ship. They get to go their separate ways. Visor three's yelling because he's like pissed off that he didn't get to kill him. Visor three is so comical in this in that he shows up in a sub. He's just looking out a porthole. Yeah. Like, oh, those Andalite bandits. And then they have to leave. And he's like, I'll get you next time, Andalite bandits. Within a span of like four pages. Yeah, no, it's it's way too rushed. Um, and 
You know, they could incorporate Eric in some more clever ways now than just having him show up to save everybody at the last second. I'm starting to think that Visitor 3 has, like, a really good agent, like, acting agent, and he's just under contract to be in at least, you know, so many pages per book. <laughs> doesn't matter if he does anything important. Doesn't matter if he makes sense to the plot. Visitor 3 has to show up for, like, page 39 through page 45. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, let's see. Did we... We didn't have Visitor 3 in the last book that we read, did we? Um, no, he wasn't. They were off planet the entire book. Yeah, true. Okay, so but I wasn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like hanging out in the bushes of that <laughs> crazy alien planet. Like, oh, I'm gonna get him. I'm working with Krayak now. <laughs> no, the visitor doesn't do that. He doesn't take orders. He gives them. Whoa. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, this is this is this book. But you, you wanted to dive into possible elements of this book that could be used in a. Uh, metaphysical, you know, book that doesn't exist. That, that yeah, yeah, interesting. Like just, just better ways to incorporate these plot elements. Um, so we talked a little bit briefly about uh the plot with um Rachel and the cute boy, and uh, <laughs> we discussed how this could be its own book, its own story, and be totally interesting on its own. Here, it's it's wrapped up very quickly. Um, there's another scene, you know, after they get back from the big battle, they get uh, out of the ocean. Uh, I want to talk about that real quick. Do you mind talking about that real book? Well, yeah, that's the ending of the book. I mean, uh, go ahead. What what are your thoughts on it? My, I just wanted to touch on this real quickly. Is that So, yeah, this is a worthless subplot that could be done so much better in its own book or even just a different book or just different writer. Um, and it the biggest problem is that you come to this conclusion and she's like, you know what? I'm going to say something sarcastic to this guy, blow him off again. Cause I'm loyal to Tobias and this isn't who I am and blah, blah, blah. And she reaches that conclusion through no growth. Nothing that happens in the book influences her to make that decision whatsoever. I would it's disagree. Like, I, I don't believe there's anything in the book that influences well, that. She she specifically says at the end there, um, there's not many other boys who would, uh, even though they have this fear of water, that would do what he did and morph whale with her and go down into the water even though he hates it. Um, that's that's her one reasoning from this book. Uh, which but she I already knew Tobias likes her. I mean, she knows that Tobias, you know, is will risk his life for her. Oh, that's exactly. Not something, that's not knowledge she gained in this book. Well, it, it definitely reinforced her decision there at the end. Um, but I, I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> that it's, it's acceptable in any means. Uh, I, I thought the ending was very rushed and tacked on. And the guy, uh, as as these Animorphs T-T. books have, have shown to do. Yeah, good old T.T. Uh, they, they tend to take other characters and just make them bad people. Because it's like, well, you're not supposed to like them, so we'll make them bad. <laughs> and and TT here at the end, even he, like, though curses are out, yeah, yeah. Well, he says he, he called her something that she has been called before, or has some. She calls her something that she knows she is. So I'm thinking he just called her a bitch or something. Yeah, Zena. Um, sure. Yeah, he called her Zena. It was Marco. TT is really Marco. He's Marco's debuting his TT morph. <laughs> I would. Oh, okay. I would read that book. Uh, oh yeah, Marco, there you go. Marco completely just morphing random guys to ask Rachel out. Um, that would be a good book. <laughs> that, I'd read that one for sure. So uh, yeah, that's how the book ends, though. With you know Rachel on the beach with this other guy, and she turns him down, and Tobias is already there, and she's like, "Hold on, buddy. I'm gonna get some wings and come up there and join you." Oh and, my gosh! You know, happy ending. Yeah, that's really weird. So, complete divergent from the conversation, this book, anything that matters. Um, <laughs> Something how, random just popped into your head. <laughs> it did, but it's influenced by this. Um, how angry would Tobias be if somebody else or all the rest of them got his red-tailed hawk morph? Like, found the same bird and morphed into it, just like that's just a regular morph they used. Like, that's his identity at this point. <laughs> Like That's how true. mad would he be if Marco just like found the same red to the uh, hawk and like morphed him just to mess with them all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a very good point. And you know what? I'd like to see uh, Marco maybe take a red tail morph and like go to Rachel's house one night and just be like, <laughs> <laughs> "This what this what you're into?" <laughs> 
Well, I mean, he could try to pretend he's Tobias, but I guess he would need to thought speak at some point eventually. Or if, or if when Tobias goes morphing back and he got his uh, human morph for some reason, everybody else got it too, so they could all just turn into Tobias. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Guys, stop. That's my human morph. Stop it. <laughs> this isn't you anymore. That's not stop your body. picking on me. You don't have rights to it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and besides the, the whole, like, dating relationship drama at play here, um, it, it was cool to see, like, the idea that the Chi were not these indestructible, unstoppable uh, robots, you know, they actually had something that could deactivate them. And that was cool to mm. me. And I hoped that once they got down there on the ship, there would be a really cool explanation <sighs> as to what was going wrong with them, how they could fix them. But no, it's we got another snidely whiplash villain introduced who is there just to antagonize the team and uh, build up this tempting Rachel to the dark side kind of plot, which uh, I'm going to be honest, is, is not that... Um, Original. We we've seen this in so many other types of uh, media or, or stories where you know, of course, the bad guys got to try and tempt the good guy. Well, it's also Rachel's. I mean, we've already seen this in other Rachel books. You know, it's not just you know she struggled with it in the David trilogy, and obviously she's going to struggle with it even more. And it it comes to it kind of feeds into how she goes out. Spoilers to the end of the book. Um, <laughs> But I think I think the interesting thing here is you, you mentioned the chi and you know it's interesting to see them break down and and not be super invincible. But the chi are most interesting when they're dealing with the like Superman complex, where the chi you know they have this kryptonite of the hate violence and will do anything to stop the Yurks minus just wipe them all out. Um, and it, that leads into the end of the series where you have a great subplot with the chi where they're part of it and Jake just uses them just flat out doesn't care about their programming, doesn't care about what they're trying to do and how they're trying to stop the Yerks, just blatantly takes advantage of them to win the war. Well, yeah, and, you know, if you think about it, the Chi are excellent shields. <laughs> they, they would make yeah, great body armor. Carry them around. <laughs> no, nah, they could just, they could be like bodyguards, literally, and just but stand no, in mean, front of the Animorphs and block again, Yerk attacks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they don't do something like that. I guess it's too too convenient, but uh, or just <laughs> yeah. be or just be invisible shields to them all the time, you know? Right? Um, yeah, we've already seen how their hologram technology solves pretty much every problem. <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, it's like Genjutsu in uh, in Naruto, you know, like the illusions and stuff. You can just mess with people. Well, then honestly, I don't. I think you just ruined the chi for me because they're just holding back then and really being useful to the war or they're being manipulated by the Olympists and to just want to play with their dogs all day. Well, that's not that much. Yeah. That's always been, I felt like kind of a subplot in the story, or at least that's why they don't really seek the chi's help and, and try to work with them more is because I think Jake and the rest of the Animorphs do see the chi as kind of a hindrance to them. Cause they're like, these guys have all this combat power, um, they're refusing to use it, and we know they could probably be helpful in other ways, but their their reputation and just their uh, their desire to work with them well, under, under these if, restraints is... If you wanted to go hardcore with it and actually figure out why the Chi aren't more involved in the war, uh, based on what we know, based on where they're at, um, the Chi know that if they help the Animorphs at all, like help them with a mission, give them, you know, secrets, anything like that. It's going to lead to the Animorphs killing because they'll have to kill hosts. They'll have to kill Yerks to complete their missions. And so indirectly, every time they give the Animorphs information or help them out, they are causing life to be lost, which we see that even if they're not the ones killing directly, they really care about any lives being lost in any situation uh, because of them. So, you could say that the Chi are doing the absolute minimum um, that they can to keep the Earth alive for dogs and <laughs> yeah. the Pimelite ancestors, but still doing the minimum amount that the least amount of life will be lost because of them. So it does fit. It's not like a story problem. Well, and it's exactly that kind of attitude that has led the left the Chi to be these background characters that the team doesn't <laughs> really want to work with um, because they just they they know that they can be useful, but they don't think that they will that they'll they will be. You know, 
Um, I would I would like to see a book of just the Chi um, roaming the universe like an elite squad of them who are trying to actually influence the war on the on the huge stage, uh, the universal stage or the galaxy stage, whatever you want to call it. You know, it would have been actually really cool if we would have gotten either a an entire book from the perspective of Eric. Or just another Chi. I don't know why they are always using Eric. That was another complaint, by the way, when Eric is the one who comes down and saves them. Why did it have to be Eric? Couldn't it have just been any random Chi well, that came to save you could, them? you could argue that Eric and maybe his father are the only Chi that are willing to even work with the Animorphs. Like, maybe they're the outsiders for even being willing to, you know cause any damage yeah yeah no i i i get that that would be a really cool plot point and that would be really cool to put in this book uh from from a uh a cheese perspective either a standard you know a canon a book in the series or a megamorphs uh from eric's perspective would be awesome too yeah just because we know they do a lot of crazy plots in the megamorphs i don't think i don't think the chi are involved in any of the megamorphs books like they're not even they're not, yeah, they're not even mentioned. Good point. Uh, yeah, I don't really think they are. Hmm. They're 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 not in Visor either, from what I can tell. Um, no. They're, definitely they're, not they're in the Limus Chronicles. Definitely not in the Alternomorphs. <laughs> I don't remember Alternative Morphs number two. So I, honestly, I don't. I didn't read them, so I can't say for sure. But my guess, my assumption is that they're they're not spending any time on the Chi in the Alternomorph series. <laughs> you you are the Chi in the Alternomorphs, and you just yeah. uh, hang out in the basement and don't do anything. <laughs> That'd be cool. Well, okay. So these are these are really uh, the biggest elements of this book that we wanted to talk about. Um, I think they had a lot of cool things at work here. It's just that they didn't utilize them to their their fullest, and ultimately, this book just felt like filler, like like the worst kind of filler, the kind of filler that you're just reading to get through. Um, literally, what we're doing to get through the series. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, they could have done something more cool with Giant Squid Morph. Hell, man, I would love to see Giant Squid Morph show up again in a book as a battle morph. You could morph giant squid on land, and I it would think, still be pretty pretty deadly. I think they really dropped the ball with misuse of the sperm whale morph. Because Oh, yeah, that you, too. You have them uh, morphing sperm whales. There should have been some scene where they had to like take down a ship or something. And so you have this like Moby Dick-esque ski- scene uh, with them attacking a ship or something. That would have been awesome. Yeah, there you go. There's an idea. Some Yerk run tanker, oil tanker or something. <laughs> the Yerks, they're working for Exxon Mobil now. We must stop I mean, them. It would answer a lot of questions. <laughs> totally. I'm not even entirely convinced that this is uh, a fictional book series. <laughs> I mean, the, we, they might have just wrote the ending a little prematurely because they mm. were waiting to see how this thing wrapped up. But uh, yeah, speaking of wrapping up, man, that's that's the end of this book. We're going to dive into our reviews now. I'll start um, because I think I felt, oddly, I think I felt a little bit better about this book than you did. Um, when mm. we were doing the pregame talk, you you mentioned how you just thought this book was garbage. And Don't spoil my review. No, your review has been, if, if you paid attention listening to the first no, half nobody hour knows of this what I'm podcast, you would knows. know that our opinions are not very high on this. So, so uh, again, I'm just going to say uh, my rating for this book is a two out of five. I don't think it was horrible in the way that it, you know, uh, was was a badly thrown together book. I just I can't I can't give it a three because I feel like a three is like you know middle of the road. This is bare minimum book. I can't. It's not essential to the canon, but it's a it's a it's an Animorphs book. This is a step below that. This is where it felt like they were really stretching for ideas and having a hard time getting things to stick. Um, there's pacing problems. Uh, it's it's just it doesn't do anything to advance the story. They they introduce another character, another villain who will ultimately fall to the the back of the the villains list. Um, so much so that when I met him. At other points in, in other books in the series, I was just like, okay, here's a standard villain. 
Like you said, <laughs> like you said, you didn't question the drode. You're just like, okay, I guess there's a drode now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my review, buddy. It's, it's two out of five sperm whales and let's hear you. Let's hear you trash it. Okay. Uh, so I actually really like this book. Oh, uh, fuck you. <laughs> no, no, no. This this is terrible. This is the worst book we've read in the series so far. Ah, this is worse than the, the skunk secret. book. <laughs> this is worse than The Secret, and The Secret's bad. But you know what? At least The Secret's still written by Applegate, and it's it's competent writing. It's a boring story, but it's competent writing. This this is a story that could have been good. Like we talked about the elements. There's some good elements here that could have been pulled out into more interesting storylines and character arcs and growth within the series. And the writing is just so poor from page one. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. It's the structure is terrible. It's meandering. It's the, the writing itself is just like, these don't sound like real characters, let alone the characters that we know incredibly well at this point. So this is a one out of five, uh, this is a one out of five Pimelite stupid looking ship. Um, <laughs> just a bad, bad filler book. Just not worth the time. It's not even, it doesn't add anything. It's not. But without this book, Coleman, I, I wouldn't have known in the, uh, in the, um, Oh boy! In the book where David comes back, uh, spoilers that that you know this is a big part of Krayak and the Droads plot to like tempt Rachel, and I think that's yeah, why I didn't initially enjoy that book was because I I missed out on this whole subplot of them trying to tempt her. Um, the the tempting of Rachel and the Drode talking trash about Marco's dead mom are the only good things to take away from this book. Um, but those are so minuscule. I mean, they, it's not good enough. It's like it's like watching a, a, one of the Marvel movies, okay, and watching one that's, like, horrible. Like, watching if one had just been horrible the whole time, you wanted to leave the theater, just absolute trash, and then the after credit scene was, like, actually really interesting. It doesn't mean you're going to sit through that whole stupid movie again, you know? No, yeah, and this this book is not one that you need to read by any means, and it's one that I would tell people to skip. <clears throat> Uh, I'm telling you right now to skip it. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't read it yet, just listen to our review and then skip the hell out of it. Because um, Rachel's one of the most interesting characters and to see a book like this where she's just not utilized well, um, it's just boring. It doesn't do anything, like you said, to, to add Rachel, anything to the series. Rachel's character was more interesting while she was knocked out in a semi-coma in the first Megamorse book than she is in the entirety of this <laughs> When she was hanging out in back alley woods, uh, abandoned houses with crazy ladies, that was when she was at her, at her peak. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is just, it's just not a good book. So that's the end of The Exposed uh, as a book. You know, um, uh, one last thing I want to point out really quick uh, with, with the sperm whale and the giant squid morph is that I feel like just in general, they're getting to the point where new morphs are underutilized. And what I mean by that is it's it's becoming the uh, the cliche or the trope of the series that they only acquire new species when they need it for a specific purpose. And yeah. after they use it for that purpose, it's never used again. I mean, they have a stock list of morphs that they are constantly using going through in every book. Um, we're getting very little morph variety anymore. Um, I kind of miss the days where, you know, it, like you said, it was very slice of life. It was it, it dealt with all the mundane aspects of being like a kid superhero. And it was literally about them. Uh, discovering a problem and then having to like research animals and figure out new ways to like use the animal's power to overcome their problems. This one was literally just, we need an animal that can go deep in water and then we do that. And, and we're going to get, we're going to get that back though. This is not, you know, these books are going to be a little rough in this middle section. We knew that going into this, uh, but we're going to get to great books like Vizzer where it's all about the mundane, aspects of taking over a planet as an alien species we're going to get to um the great megamorphs book where none of them have powers and we're seeing the yerk invasion from a normal human perspective um 
you know, we're going to get those books back. They're, yeah, they're totally, ahead. totally. This was just a, a, uh, uh, I don't even know what you call it, a pit stop on this thought speak journey that we're going on of, you know, bad books that we will have to talk about. And to me, the most fun of it is honestly just breaking down all the individual elements of the book and then discussing how those elements could have been put to better use. That's what I like about these bad books. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. So that that is us talking about the exposed. That is all I want to expose you to. I know, I, this you know, book. what does the exposed even mean? I didn't get that. Uh, the only thing I could think of was that the chi were kind were exposed. of exposed. But yeah. it, it seems like they could have come up with a better title. It's a little bit of reach. Uh, they could have called this one The Reach. The reach. Um, they could have called it The Dive. Or, or, you know, just fucking anything, man. The Exposed? What? It's, again, it's like they don't know how to market these books because yeah. the plot line's so all over the place, they just can't find a focus. And they, they really dropped the ball on this one. Um, okay, so the next episode I think we're going to talk about uh, is book number 28, The Experiment, I believe. I got to check the chronology, make sure we're not skipping any more Megamorphs or side stories, but... I think we're doing the experiment next. And I got to say, I'm really excited about this one because, again, haven't read it. Uh, I hear that it has a pretty big uh, vegetarian message to it. Um, so that interests me right away. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, I want to see how so. they want to see how they do that, because spoilers, I already know how the book ends, of course. Um, and and it, it seems like they drop the vegetarian message along the way. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting kind of diving into that and seeing what that's really about. I think this is a good platform for them to push that kind of message. Oh, actually, this is definitely one I haven't read before. It's, it's the cow one. Yes, and that's why, oh my God, this one gets me so excited because when I think about the Animorphs morphing cow and going into a slaughterhouse, dude, that sounds epic. That's, How are that's, they going to mess that up? That's classic Animorphs. Like, having a really strong me- environmental message in a book is that's definitely classic animorphs so hopefully it's written well that's all i can hope for and i am excited for the sickness right after that because that's actually one of my favorites yeah and that's again another one i haven't read yet really looking forward to because i can't wait to see the first time one of them morphs yerk and uh we uh, uh assumably get to learn more about x and his uh his you know like Biology. biology yeah you absolutely do it's actually really interesting and it's it's definitely one where uh that classic joke where it's like this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong and proms tomorrow like that actually happens so awesome terrific that's <laughs> that's what i'm looking forward to it's what i love the most from this series it's why we do this thoughts and the week, sickness, everybody the sickness has um the little girl from the departure comes back oh really yay mm-hmm. Man, I am going to be down with the sickness. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got the experiment for that. And also, after the sickness, the sickness is just an exciting moment because not only do we get to read that book and get into it, uh, right after we hit our next Megamorse book. Yeah, yeah. It'll it'll be really good times coming up on ThoughtSpeak. Um, so we're winding down the episode. We're getting to it. Uh, we'll do our plugs really quickly, but... Because uh, we haven't done this in so long. I, I have an email pulled up that I got from a fan. I want to read it quickly. It's a quick one. Sure. Um, this is from, uh, oh my goodness, I'm going to, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pran, Pranav Gujathar. <laughs> it's like an Indian name. I'm sorry. Um, this, this is coming from uh, Discus from our, our website, thoughtspeakcast.com. Please check it out. There's our plug. It's it's Discuss. Get it? Discuss. Oh, I thought it was discus. And <laughs> yeah, it's discus because you're, it's a discussion. Uh, okay, Pranav. Pranav <laughs> says, Hello, guys. New to the website. I've been reading the book since I was 11. First and foremost, I'm a huge fan of the series, and they remain very influential in my thinking in general. Number 25 was one of my favorites. Is the first time the Animorphs truly got their asses kicked and shit really got real. The theme of the book being sort of a gladiator face-off between Elemists champions and Krayak's champions was really cool. So this was obviously a comment on our uh, previous episode. Um, And yeah, you know, I mean, shit, dude. It's a great book. (laughs) (laughs) Although I would argue... Uh, against that, it's the the first time they truly got their asses kicked because oh yeah, being that's the an animal, that's fifty percent of the job. 
first 15 books is is <laughs> just them losing over and over again. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, uh, it, it's awesome to see a, a fan, longtime fan, very much like us, uh, checking out the podcast, checking out our website, leaving us comments. That's why we do this, people. Get in the spirit. Leave us some comments. We'll try to read them on the show. Honestly, we try. Um, we're idiots. We forget sometimes, but... This is what we do. So, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and make a wild promise here at the end of this episode. Ooh. I, I'm gonna tell you right now that we've had so many large gaps in release of our episodes, but I'm really gonna look into our workflow and and try to see if we can work something out. Whereas, even when our life gets a little crazy, if we can just find time to record, we're gonna put something out. So, you know. Probably not going to keep to that promise, but uh. <laughs> well, okay. Like I said at the beginning of the uh, the episode, I'd like to have an episode where we don't discuss our our chaotic release schedule. It's but not going to be this one. <laughs> but <laughs> going into 2017, we are looking forward to a more consistent release schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face anymore, guys. We'll keep trying. We're we're not abandoning the project. We're we're gonna keep going. But the way to keep us going is please visit ThoughtSpeakCast.com. Leave us comments. Uh, go to iTunes. Check us out there. Leave us uh, thoughtful reviews, ratings, five stars. We love it. That's what we want to see. And that's what keeps us doing the show. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we're looking forward to the books coming up. And honestly, I mean, even a book like this, I, st- I still enjoy the time that we talk about it. It's it's. It's not as fun to read, but it's fun to get into and talk about how a book like this could have been better or could have been successful, and and it still puts out, I think, a pretty decent episode. So, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. I'm Coleman. Heck yeah, and I've been Mitchell, and we're looking forward to thought speaking with you some more. See y'all later. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.